And we're back with episode 24 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host, Reed, with your co-host, Russ. And today, Russ, we're going to jump right into it. A little Falcons news right off the bat. Falcons signed Jeff Okuda yesterday, Russ. Tell me, what, tell me your thoughts on the signing. I think he's a great fit for the Falcons. You know, a young guy. Was he hurt? He was hurt his first year, sure. wasn't he? Um, you know, I think he's a, a great cornerback. I think he'll be a great addition to the team. You love to see the Falcons going out and signing guys. And, you know, it kind of – when you look at the draft now, you kind of you kind of see what their options are. Obviously, they're probably not going to take a cornerback now. So, we're, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to take more D-line, O-line, something like that. Um, we need it, you know, since we just traded for a secondary guy. So, you know, I think, I think it'll be good for the Falcons. See how it shakes out. You know, he really hadn't been able to showcase his full ability. He's dealt with some injuries early on in his career. But, Rush, three years ago, he was the number three pick in the draft. He was the yeah. number one corner. People kind of gave him this, like, Jalen Ramsey, like, oh, he's going he's gonna to shut you down. He, like, Akuta Island was something they said a lot of times. And I think, you know, there's a lot of potential there. He's still a young player, obviously. I think he's 24, 25. Yeah. And – you have, in my opinion, a top five corner across from him and AJ Terrell. Now you now you put Okuda on the other side. Now in the draft, you don't have to go so much of a corner. You can go D line. You can go O line, and you can really build up your front seven. And I think that's going to be really important for the Falcons. Russ. Now, we obviously don't know about the NFL draft and how it's going to shake out. Tell me. Who do you think the Falcons will get with that eighth pick right now? Well, um, you know, I haven't looked too much into the draft uh, apart from Georgia guys. So I'm not uh, – I don't know names very well. I can't – I'm not good with names. Anyway, um, the Falcons are going to take some kind of offensive, uh, offensive tackle of some sort, in my opinion. Uh, Broderick Jones could be in there somewhere. Well, you talk. We were talking earlier about a guy, some guy from Ohio State. What's oh, his name? Paris Johnson Jr. Paris he's on Johnson. the board. Um, another guy that the Northwestern offensive tackle. He's which they are Northwestern talking. Northwestern always has somebody, and he's he's a little smaller, and you could play him at guard. Um, but I think they're gonna. From what, what it's looking like to me, if Jalen Carter's on the board at eight, I don't see how you pass on him. But knowing the Falcons. They probably will. So I'm thinking offensive lineman with the uh, first pick and then your early second-round pick, I think you go D-line. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good good way to go about it. And I was talking to Russ about this. I was talking about trading back, and Russ, Russ me and Russ had a little disagreement about trading back in this class. And I, I honestly think if you're at eight and there's nobody – you're like, oh, we have to get him, we have to get him. He's going to get picked before our second-round pick. Trade back and get more draft capital so you can – I mean, I said trade back to like 17 or 18, and then you can trade back into the first round using that extra capital. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the opportunity is too good at eight to uh, trade back to 17 or whatever Reed's saying. But, you know, if your guy, if your guy's there, you take him. I don't really disagree completely with trading back. If there's a guy that you think you can get later on in the draft and you know who's picking after you and you know they're not going to pick that guy, then 
I don't think it's bad to trade back. Yeah. Well, Russ, enough about the Falcons. Georgia's got a pretty big ball game Saturday. G-Day coming up. Tell me what who you're most excited to see come out and play. Well, obviously, all we do is talk about the quarterbacks on here. That's I'm excited to see who's the guy. You know, we get to go go up there and watch. And by the way, folks, we will be at G Day, so just come stop, <laughs> run into us, just tell us hello. But keep going. Sorry yeah, I'm, for d- Sorry I'm for just. I'm excited to see the quarterbacks play. You know, there's there's a presence in the the guy who's most confident, and you know, I. I just want to see who looks like the guy. I, I'm excited to see, you know, there's a lot of injuries right now. They've There's a lot of guys that are, you know, got some tweaking injuries. They did, they've done some shoulder surgeries, getting stuff cleaned up on guys. I'm excited to see, you know, a lot of these young guys that are going to have to step up and play in this spring game and really have to play on this first and second team defense. And they're going to get a lot of action on the field. I'm excited to see them come out and compete against you know, guys on your offensive – like your starting offensive line, they really don't have a whole lot of injuries right now. They're going to be going up against – you're going to see some freshmen play like Raylan Wilson, um, guys like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see the uh, the tight ends too, Lawson Lucky. You know, good. I, I want to uh, – I also want to see how Mike Bobo's going to run uh, some sets and what he's got going on out there. Uh, you know, two tight end guy um, or three tight end guy. Yeah. A lot. What, what I've read, and this is kind of like when I first read it, I was like, ooh. But I've been thinking about it for about three, three or four days. Read this article the other day on dognation.com. Mike Bobo, he hasn't really been using multiple tight ends a lot. And I've been sitting here thinking, well, Todd Monken, really the staple of his offense was his two tight end, three tight end sets. And I honestly think you can, like, they said they haven't had the the two guys step up. They got Bowers. Well, you have Delp, and you have Lawson Lucky, and Pierce Sperlin. He's hurt, but you have those four. I don't see how you don't go to two tight end, three tight end sets for us. Well, yeah, you got to, and you kind of have to. You got to get these guys on the field. You got to keep them around. You yeah, gotta get them. You got some playing. You got to cr- recruit your own players. I mean, Delp was he was a top rated tight end. Two classes ago. I mean, Delt would start on any other team. You say he transfers to Auburn, he's going to play. All so. SEC. He's a great tight end. Yeah. And he's, in my opinion, I watched him play in the playoff last year. He played when Darno had that ankle tweak. He played a phenomenal game against Ohio State. He was in it for a lot of snaps. He's not get. He wasn't getting the ball a whole lot, but I mean, his role was a lot bigger than just receptions, yards after the catch, touchdowns, because he really blocked. He didn't. Nobody's gonna block like Darnell. Darnell is a once in a generation prospect. He's a unicorn. But Oscar Dell, he blocked very well. And that's. I mean, you got anything else to add on that? <laughs> well, I th- I think he's. They've definitely got to increase his role this year to keep him around. And but you know, at Georgia, we kind of have you know a ladder, and you gotta you gotta climb the ladder, and you gotta get older. You gotta. You got to stick around to play out there because there's a lot of good guys, and it's all about whether you want to be a winner or you want to go play for some other team and and be all about yourself. Yeah, well, folks, we're going to have a special guest today. Our profile picture, if you look at it, it's me and Russ and a woman. That woman in the middle is my sister, Lauren Black. Lauren, how are we doing today? 
We're doing good. Sorry, sound just transferred. How you doing, Lauren? I'm doing good. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. Let's jump right into it, Lauren. Okay. Um, as as at during your time at Georgia, you have been blessed to see two national championships. Tell me your best memory as a Georgia fan while being in Athens. I think my best memory as a Georgia fan was this past year's Tennessee game. My friends and I had to camp outside of the student gates for, you know, three hours, almost four, but we were able to get some pretty awesome seats and just like the rain coming down, you know, during that fourth quarter, it was just, it was a great win and it was a great day to be a Bulldog. And also, of course, getting to celebrate the national championship in Athens for both years, like getting to see downtown Athens light up after both of those wins was also pretty neat. So I definitely have been blessed for sure. And it's sure made it a whole lot of fun. Well, Lauren, there's a pretty big quarterback battle going on in Athens right now. Tell me who you'd like as quarterback to start for the team in 2023. I honestly would like to see Brock Vandergriff start for the team and just see how that kind of plays out. Having some hometown connections to him, I just I feel like it would be neat to see him come out and show show what he's got. But I don't know. I definitely I definitely am curious to see like who Car- who Coach Smart will put in. But well, I don't know. We've been talking about this for really since January, and you know we've got to learn, and you know we've got to learn to trust Kirby Smart with this team and with who he puts out there because he puts Stetson out there when nobody else wanted to go with Stetson, and he's getting paid a whole lot of money to do this, and we just got to trust in him with who he puts out there. No, I agree one hundred percent. Coach Smart knows best. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lauren, another question for you: Who is your favorite Bulldog? Who is my favorite Bulldog, like, as the Ugger or Bulldog player? Like, Bulldog player. Sorry for the miscommunication. Well, I think my favorite Bulldog player is probably Brock Bowers. Just his talent is just off the charts incredible, and he's also a very humble guy. And, of course, like, being the same, like, year in school as him. Like, I did have a class with Brock Bowers, so that was really nice freshman year. But I just think he's an all-around great guy. He's an incredible athlete. And I think he's honestly not credited enough for how much he does for the team. So I think he's awesome. Uh, That's a pretty, that's a great pick, honestly, for guys on the team. He's um he's a great, he's the number one. If he was went to the NFL today, he'd be a top five pick. He's going to be a top five pick next year. Um, I have him in my Heisman candidates for next year. Russ, what do you guys say about that? Brock Bowers. Yeah. I mean, I've already given my opinion many times on that guy. That dude is awesome, and I love watching him play. Lauren, I got a question for you about the uh, the new mascot switch, which is happening Saturday. Yes. Uh, do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing for the dogs? You see, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people kind of get superstitious, and they may feel like it's kind of weird switching out the Uggas, you know, after coming off the two national championship wins. But, you know, we've had lots of great Bulldogs, so I know this one will be a great addition to the bunch, but it'll be curious to see how people react. Yeah, well, you're coming off – this Bulldog's got to have some pretty high expectations. You're coming off the winningest Uga in history, and um, yep. is his name – how did it say it? Q? I or think Quay? so. 
Quay. So. I don't know how to say his name, but Boom has some pretty high expectations going into this year, and I, I'd imagine he catches a lot of blame if the dogs don't perform this year. Yep. Which, unfortunately, is not the dog's fault, you know? <laughs> yeah, the dog ain't thinking nothing about the football. Nope. <laughs> well, Lauren, a question for you. Growing up as a Georgia fan, tell me the emotions that you felt when Georgia won their first title last season. I was ecstatic. Of course, being a freshman and coming to UGA, it was just, it was a season filled with like both highs and lows. And it was just, it was an incredible feeling. I watched the game in Segment Coliseum with, and they like live streamed the game. And so it was just like, the Coliseum was electric. Like people were yelling and hollering and just like, it was it was literally the best feeling on earth. My friends and I drove around at 2 a.m. Like we had our windows rolled down and we were playing for my dogs by Walker Flocka and we were like honking the horn and yelling at people left and right. But it was just like something that you just wait forever and ever for. And after being so close in 2017 and just after repeated, you know, SEC championship visits and playoff visits, it was so nice for Georgia to finally get the recognition that they deserve. And I don't know. It was just a really sweet way to ring in the new year. It's kind of – it was a feeling that you can't really replicate. You can't really explain how it feels either. It's kind of like a state of euphoria almost where you're just like everything's perfect and everything's worth it. All the – you know, all the games, everything, it all just works out. It worked out. It did. It worked out perfectly. One more question for you before we go. Give me the top five worst fan bases you've encountered while in Athens. Um, let me think in Athens. I think the Tennessee fan base, they were pretty obnoxious. Especially we even had some Tennessee fans coming in the student section, like trying to stir up trouble and cause a riot. So I don't not the biggest fans of them you know Auburn fans like just because Auburn and Georgia are so close like geographically and the schools are so similar you know fans get pretty rowdy um and even I have you know I know some Georgia Tech fans here and there who they think that they're hot stuff and that their team's gonna come out and win so I don't know sometimes little Tech fans can get a little arrogant um Connor Shelton (laughs) <laughs> I didn't I didn't say it. <laughs> and even like South Carolina fans too. Like they can they'll get pretty rowdy and get in your face a little bit. But Mr. Van Arwright on here. Mr. Van Arwright, former guest on the show, Russ's long distance cousin. I definitely yeah. say you know, I've had I've had some encounters with fans in Athens at games. The number one, there's two that I just can't stand right off the bat, and that's Tennessee and Ohio State. And they're one and two, and I think Tennessee's a clear-cut number one. And Ohio State I've only dealt with them once, but I don't I don't really have any desire to deal with them again. Tennessee, I've been meaning to talk to you about this, Russ. Let's think about the last calendar year, 2022. Baseball team starts out really hot. You know, they win all these games, but they lose. They only make it to the College World Series. They get celebrated like parades, you know, oh, this legendary team, generational team. Let's go to football. Football team starts out undefeated, shows up in Athens, gets 
they're butt whipped. You know, just walks out of there, 27-13, and they end up going 10-2, and and they win the Orange Bowl. But they don't even make the playoff, win the division, or win the conference. Generational team at Tennessee. One of the best teams. You know, this team, talent-wise, is just insane. Let's look at basketball. Basketball was ranked – their basketball team was top five this year. Get beaten in the Sweet 16 to FAU. Basketball team gets praised. They find a way to make just average seasons into just – they flip around and turn it in like they just won three titles. Yeah. And that, that just really bothers me for no reason at all. And Ohio State fans, you know, 95% of them are great. There's just the 5% of fan bases that's, that's at all that people see. And they're just obnoxious. And, you know, George, some Georgia fans can be the same way, so I, there's no hard feelings for that. Yeah. Is that going to be it, Randy? I think that's going to be it. Well, Lauren, we appreciate you coming on the show. You know, I, I, I see that your whole family is good at talking, obviously. Both <laughs> you and Reed are good at it. <laughs> well, it was, it was quite the honor being on the podcast. Heard about it from the beginning, so... It's kind of a full circle moment getting to do a call-in with y'all, but y'all are awesome. Thank I guess, you for having me. I guess we're going to have to put Meg on here next. She's going to be jealous. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it for today's episode. We'll be back next week for everybody listening, and we'll see you on the next one.